Hey everybody, this is Devin Boker, and you are listening to another Behind the Sciences on the Wildlife. It's the official podcast of the nonprofit, whose mission is to interrupt systemic barriers of exclusion through free educational content, experiences, and funding for youth programs and professional development, in alignment with anti-racist values, in order to make the outdoors and science a more inclusive, safe, and accessible place. Learn more at thewildlife.blog. And find ways to support us by checking out the links in our episode notes. Now, this particular Behind the Sciences segment, I've been really excited about. I was incredibly excited to do the interview almost a year ago now. It was back when we were getting our, um, we were doing some stacking during the height of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, getting, getting as many interviews in the books as we could so that we would have, you know, a catalog to choose from for episodes. And um, like I said, I was really excited to do this interview. I'm even more excited for you to hear it. Um, the the full episode is just fantastic. Bruce really is um, the perfect person to talk to, not just because of his expertise on the birds of paradise in particular, but because of his personality, his passion, his clear and present interest. So let's get to know Dr. Bruce Beeler. All right. Well, have you always been interested in science? Well, as a child, you know, science is beyond the ken of a child. So, yeah, uh, really, it's nature that, you know, often draws people in nature. You know, the National Geographic magazine, mm-hmm. uh, you know, bird books that you see at your grandparents' house. So, yeah, my first in, uh, sort of step across the line into nature was uh, birds. And that was uh, 1958 or 1959, I can't really remember, where I saw a red-bellied woodpecker. Hmm. Uh, we were on a summer uh, cookout at Lake Roland, north of Baltimore, in Baltimore County. And um, I was minding my own business, and I looked up and saw this apparition, essentially the face of God, and it was a red-bellied woodpecker. And uh, I was transfixed. And uh, it really, it, it all went forward from there. You know, I think there's something about woodpeckers because I, thinking back, one of my first, you know, awestruck moments with woodpeckers was seeing it pileated. There you go. And, or with birds in general. I saw a pair of those this morning when I was walking the dog. They were working on a dead elm tree. One of my f- favorite birds. There was one time I stumbled upon like four or five on one tree and it was really bizarre. I've never seen anything like that. Sounds like a family, maybe. So what do you, I mean, was that your first real connection to nature that you remember then? Yeah, so I was eight and uh, I saw the birds. I didn't know what a red-bellied woodpecker was, neither did my mom, neither did my brother. So went down to Enoch Pratt Free Library, got a book, got two books out on woodpeckers, one by Fanny Ekstrom and one by Arthur Cleveland Bent. And uh, I, I now have those in my library, not those very books, but uh, th- those were two books exclu- exclusively on woodpeckers. So I was a woodpeckerologist for a few years. I wrote my first school <laughs> paper about woodpeckers. Uh, then from woodpeckers, I branched out to butterflies and butterflies and birds and then back to birds. And then rather sort of a college 
uh, sort of uh, a back and forth, uh, trying to make my way into science uh, college, saying I was not welcome, you know, mm -hmm. through courses like introductory biology and uh, organic chemistry, those sorts of things, which say <laughs> go away. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so I majored in American civilization at college, but I did my thesis on birds, birds of the Adirondack Park. And so I sort of worked around the edges. Yeah. And uh, so I didn't really become a scientist until graduate school. So, mm -hmm. you know, it took a while. It was a roundabout way. I mean, any way you get there, right? <laughs> I would say that's one of the nice things about this country. We do have multiple pathways to get to a destination. Lots of countries, you, you get locked into a track. Here, mm -hmm. it's pretty wild and woolly, and that's good. What advice would you give a younger you, knowing what you know now about the field? Hmm, that's a toughie because really the life I've led, I wouldn't change too much about it. It's been, it's sort of been working around the edges and that's, that's been good for me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what happens is uh, when I went to graduate school to get a PhD, uh, I sort of got in lockstep with all the other students there and, you know, dreamed of becoming a tenured professor at a, you know, fancy university. And none of that, none of that transpired, and uh, and I'm uh, none the worse off for that. Uh, so I mm -hmm. sort of worked around, uh, you know, into nature conservation, and natural history, and a bunch of other things, and uh, it worked out well. And I'm very happy with that. So uh, I think my take-home point for a, a sort of budding young student wanting to go into science is that there are lots of ways to skin a cat. And there are lots mm -hmm. of different careers. There are more and more as each decade passes. Uh, early in, when I was young, there were very few pathways, uh, but there are many, many more now. And that's, again, that's great. You've mentioned, you know, going around outside the edges and stuff, but even even out around the edges, I mean, you've done some really, really amazing things. I mean, you've, you've authored and co-authored a bunch of different works. Uh, there's the Birds of Paradise, the Birds of New Guinea. We were also among the first, you know, on the team that first photographed the bronze parotia and the golden-fronted bowerbird. I mean, how how did how did you get to that point? I mean, from from doing your master's thesis in a roundabout way about birds, you know, how did you end up getting to that point? Yeah. So again, it was a roundabout way. Instead of going through the sort of uh, academic ornithology. That could be either working at a museum like the Smithsonian or the American Museum of Natural History in New York or, or other mm -hmm. ones like the Field Museum in Chicago or at a university, you know, in a de biology department. Uh, I went into nature conservation. And so I was an ornithologist and a scientist for a nature conservation organization called Conservation International. And just by being clever about that, we had a program which uh, sent uh, teams of scientists out in the fields to identify important uh, forests uh, in the tropics. It was called the RAP program, Rapid Assessment. So we go in and do these rapid assessments of biodiversity in little known places all around the world. And I led a series of those trips. And, and, and uh, one of those RAPs that I led, uh, the one in 2005, took, me, uh, took our group to the Foya Mountains uh, of Western New Guinea. That's Indonesian New Guinea, what mm -hmm. is called Papua now, uh, but it's part of Indonesia. And into this little mountain range that had only been visited by uh, some local indigenous people 
who owned, you know, the local landowners, as well as Jared Diamond from UCLA, famous ornithologist from UCLA. Mm -hmm. And basically, I was following in the tracks of Jared Diamond uh, and basically cleaning up after him. He was the one that rediscovered that golden-fronted bowerbird up in the Foya Mountains. He got a glimpse of the the, the bronze parodia, but uh, only a glimpse of a female. And we were able to sort of, uh, you know, get more data on that and prove that. What is it like to be there and and, and see these birds in person? Well, it's, uh, it's, you know, first of all, getting to New Guinea, the island of New Guinea is a, a not so often visited spot for most of us. Most of us, if we're going to go to the tropics, are going to go to Australia or East Africa perhaps maybe visit a, you know, a, a, a one of those tourist uh, lodges, eco lodges in the rain, uh, in the Amazonian, Amazonian rainforest of Ecuador or some such. Mm -hmm. uh, there's not so much of that in New Guinea. Uh, so you really have to make your way there. I, I did my doctoral research there. I actually started out at, right after college. I went there for 15 months to essentially learn how to become a field ornithologist. Uh, by, the, by the seat of my pants, and that was a wonderful experience, and that was my first experience with tropical rainforest. So that experience, my first rainforest experience back in 1975, sort of foreshadowed the experience I had in the Foya Mountains, uh, getting to these places for the first time. So, so there was the first time in the rainforest, and then, and then this is the first time in a, a little visited part of the corner of the earth that has all these little known and special birds. It's it's pretty remarkable. You're sort of pinching yourself every morning when you get up. <laughs> now, if I understand this right, there's a bird there, and I'm probably going to butcher like I normally do with the Latin pronunciations and stuff, but the... Melopodes um, caroli. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> What's the story behind that one? Yeah, so that's the, the, uh, the waddled smoky honey eater. Mm -hmm. uh, that apparently only lives in the Foya Mountains up in the, up in the top of this little mountain range. And we were the first people to identify it as a new species, or that's we considered a new species. Uh, and uh, we identify, you know, we 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 uh, we were able to describe it in the scientific literature. And I named it after my wife Carol. And it was a bit of a sort of a Christmas present to her, because I spent uh, Thanksgiving in the Foya Mountains, and she had to spend uh, that. Thanksgiving uh, uh, dinner at her in-laws, which was a bit of a challenge, without <laughs> my help. So I, I, I named it after her as a bit of a sort of to sort of make up for that. Well, that's a that's a that's a good present. <laughs> yeah, she she appreciated it. We've got a we've got the original painting from the original scientific description on the wall in the dining room. So oh, uh, when cool. she sees that, that makes her happy. Now, it's not even just the birds there that are that are incredibly fascinating. I mean, I, I understand that in 2007, you went with a uh, 60 Minutes crew and uh, found some pretty interesting stuff there as well. Yeah, so, well, you know, what happened was uh, we created a little bit of a scientific kerfuffle when we came back and reported all the new things that we found in 2005. And so uh, uh, the 60 Minutes people showed up at our door at Conservation International and and it said, let's go back and, and uh, sort of recreate what you did in 2005. And mm. I was quite uh, skeptical that uh, that would be possible because it's just mm. such a difficult pros prospect. And uh, they were very persistent and our, our uh, publicity people said, well, it'll be, it'll be good publicity. So let's go, let's give it a try. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, we did go back. We bear it was we all, but when the whole team, the 60 minutes and the, the scientific team arrived in, in Indonesia, we still had not uh, been able to engage uh, or, uh, you know, get rent rental of a helicopter that was going to take us up into the mountaintop. Um, and it was only through some miraculous uh, inter-institutional uh, monkey business that we found a helicopter that was doing some work out, out there and they volunteered to take us up there. So wow. again, nothing that could have been predicted, but the <laughs> helicopter was available. The pilot was great. He was able to spend a lot of time with us showing us around the mountain range. And uh, it, you know, it actually came to be. So some of the things besides the birds, uh, you know, we photographed the bower bird that only lives up there. We uh, confirmed the, presence of this bird of paradise we also elevated it to species level uh it was thought mm-hmm. of as only a subspecies we found out it was a full species uh, we discovered that um the golden mantled tree kangaroo which is one of the earth's few tree living canopy living uh kangaroos uh lived in the Foy mountains and it had not previously been known from Indonesia. So that was a new large mammal for the country of Indonesia. It had only been known from Papua New Guinea, which is the eastern part of the island. So that was very exciting. We found a giant rat that weighs more than uh, three kilograms. That's oh, a wow. species, hasn't been described yet. Um, and a number of other uh, interesting, yeah, I think the mammologist, uh, Chris Helgen, I think he uh, he had found four or five new species, a, new, a small wallaby, this giant rat, and a number of other things. Wow. That's pretty exciting wow. stuff. The butterfly person found five new species of butterflies, one which we named after the wife of the prime, uh, the president of Indonesia. Uh, hmm. It tried to curry favor with our Indonesian mm-hmm. counterparts. Apparently it did because we were allowed to go back. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's always good to you know 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 where your bread needs to be buttered. I, I guess the last thing that I would like to ask is um, if you have any book recommendations for people who want to learn more either about these birds or birds in general. Yeah, um, the there's one that I recommend, and it's it's uh, called Drawn from Paradise. It's an oversized book. It's about I guess ten by ten by thirteen. We're absolutely gorgeous. It's by it's, it's authored by David Attenborough and Errol Fuller, and it is basically a history of the illustrating of the Birds of Paradise. So it's got historical plates from the old monographs, but also has some of the newer stuff too. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, for people who want to dig a little deeper, uh, it's still in print. Uh, this monograph, this Oxford University monograph called the Birds. The Paradise by Clifford Frith and myself, Bruce Beeler. Uh, if you really want to know everything there is to know about Birds of Paradise, most of that's in there. There's also a beautiful National Geographic book about Birds of Paradise by Tim Flannery and Ed Scholes. Uh, yeah. I, I forget the exact title of the name of the book, but it includes, if you put in Birds of Paradise, Tim Lehman, it'll pop up. Mm-hmm. Also, for people, you know, interested in New Guinea, I did a I did a recent book uh, about the natural history of New Guinea, and it's called New Guinea, uh, Nat- Nature and Culture of the Earth's Grandest Island. 
uh, and that's published by Princeton, and that's available on Amazon. And that's uh, I'm the author of that as well. It's got wonderful photographs by Tim Lehman. Oh, perfect, perfect. Yeah, I had that uh, the book that you mentioned just prior. I I have that actually out in my living room right now, um, sitting on our on our entertainment stand. Very nice. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's a great. The visuals in it are just fascinating. They are. Yeah. All right, everybody, that's it for now. If you want to check out the books recommended by Dr. Bruce Beeler, you can do that by checking out the link in our episode notes or going on thewildlife.blog. And be on the lookout for his full-length episode coming your way wherever you get your podcast in the next few days. So wherever you are, be happy, live authentically, get outside, and peace out, Rainbow Trout.